right now we're going to move on with our service, Genesis chapter 40. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version of the Bible. Let's pray and ask our Lord to, to bless the reading of his word here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you now, Lord God, to bless this part of the service. I thank you, God, for the worship and the praise that was very dynamic and very powerful. We thank you, God, for our instruments and our sound team, our ushers team, our online services team, Lord, live streaming services team. Lord God, all those that are out there checking people in, checking up with masks, and thank you for everyone that's here this morning, Lord God. I want to thank you for our air conditioning system and our lights and our these pews that we're sitting in and the carpeting and the, the comforts of this building, Lord God. Thank you for blessing us with your church, Lord God, and honoring us. And now we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Anoint it, give it power, Lord, and give it life. Help me as your servant to communicate effectively. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me read this section of scripture. Chapter 40 in the book of Genesis, verse number 1 says this. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were behind, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker 
just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, this is a very famous story. The whole story of Joseph and his life and everything, it's a very popular story in the church. I'm sure many of you, uh, if you were raised in church, even as little children, you've uh, read the story and heard many sermons on this story. But it's fascinating and it's awesome. It's better than a soap opera, in my opinion. Amen? So, and no matter how many times we read it, it's always very, very fascinating all the different things that we can learn from it and all the things that God does and how he works with the people. Now, last week, for those of you that have been following, if this is your first time uh, viewing us on, on, on online services, I apologize to you. You can go back and look at our previous sermons for Sunday morning and it'll catch you up to today. But for those of you that have been with us the past few weeks, okay, we learned that Joseph ended up in prison because his boss's wife falsely accused him of attempted rape. Joseph was now the victim of two lies. The first lie was when his brothers lied to their dad to cover up their own jealousy, their own envy, their hatred, and murderous intentions towards Joseph. And as a result of this lie, Joseph ends up being sold as a slave to Potiphar, who is a leader in Egypt. Okay? The second lie that Joseph was a victim of was when Potiphar's wife lied to her husband about Joseph wanting to rape her. And as a result of that lie, Joseph was put into prison, where he's at right now in this story. He was put into prison for something that he did not do. Most people that go to jail, most people that go to prison, they go because they deserve it. But I think all of us realize that there are a number of people in prison and in jail right now that don't deserve it. They got falsely accused or they were used as a scapegoat to try to uh, pacify some kind of public defenders, uh, some kind of uh, uh, district attorney's uh, record. And, and there's many people in prison and jail right now that don't deserve to be there, just like Joseph was in prison and didn't deserve to be there. Okay. So, uh, I'm sure that Joseph's brothers thought to themselves that it would be impossible for their lie to be discovered. As far as they were concerned, they would never, ever see Joseph again. He was sold out. He's a slave now. He's gone to some other country, and he's forever gone. And I'm sure that Potiphar's wife thought to herself that she would never hear from Joseph ever again. As far as she was concerned, Joseph would end up dying in prison and her secret would be hidden forever but church let me remind you that lying is still a sin in 2020 did you hear what i just said lying is still a sin in 2020 and you may think that you're getting away with it but in the end your sin will be exposed in the book of numbers chapter 32 verse 23 you have sinned against the lord and be sure your sin will find you out in other words god's warning us and he's saying you better stop lying dude because eventually i'm going to put you on blast if you don't okay and the bible also warns us that all liars will not make it to heaven that's why we need to repent we need to ask god to help us when we feel that pressure when we feel that panic when we feel that we're put on the spot and we start to sweat and we start to get hot because somebody's exposing something that we're that we're doing the best thing to do just tell the truth and then that way you'll be clear with god you may not be clear with your wife or your husband or your kids or your boss but you're going to be clear with god and he'll back you up okay now here's the thing 
The Bible warns us that liars will not make it to heaven. So lying is a very serious sin. You may think that it's a joke. You may think that it's not a big deal. Lying in the eyes of God is very serious. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says this, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts like the psychics, the Ouija boards, the horoscopes, the witchcraft, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars... They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So I I need to just let you know that lying is very serious in the eyes of God. Okay. The second thing that we need to address is the importance of sexual integrity. Joseph refused to have sex with Potiphar's wife because he knew that it was wrong. Genesis chapter 39 verses 7 through 9, which we talked about or read last week, says this. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Sexual activity outside of the marriage relationship between a husband and wife is wickedness. It is sin. It is forbidden by God. Listen, just because we're living in 2020 and everybody's just running their own program and everybody's just doing their own thing and everybody just rationalizes and justifies in their heart that what they're doing is no big deal. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change what the Bible says. This is still a very serious thing before the Lord. And just as there are severe consequences for lying, there are also severe consequences for committing sexual sin. Now let's be really upfront and very clear about this topic. All of us, every single one of us, have sexual desires, appetites, fantasies, passions. These are very powerful emotions. All of us have them. From the preacher up here, to you sitting in here, to the teenager that's barely entering their puberty ages. We all have these sexual appetites and desires and fantasies and passions. And these are all powerful emotions. But the Bible teaches us that the only way that we can exercise these passions and these desires and and satisfy them is in the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Can you say amen? Once you get married, you can have as much passion, you can have as much fantasy, you can have as much fun as you want because sex is beautiful and it's great and it's exciting and it feels good and it's pleasurable and there's nothing wrong with it as long as it's within the marriage relationship is everyone hearing what i'm saying but the bible is also very clear that there are that we have to exercise discipline with our sexual appetites this means that if you are single and having sex out of marriage, that is called fornication, and this is wickedness and sin against God. If you are living with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you are not married, this also is fornication, and this is wickedness and sin against God. If you are married and have an intimate or sexual relationship with someone that is not your spouse, this is called adultery, and this is wickedness and sin against God. If you are a man and you are in a romantic or sexual relationship with another man, 
This is called homosexuality, and this is wickedness and sin against God. If you are a woman, and you are in a romantic or sexual relationship with another woman, this is called lesbianism, and this is wickedness and sin against God. And I hope that I don't have to tell you that child molestation and rape and incest and bestiality and pornography and prostitution and other perverted acts of sexual activity are wickedness and sin against God. And when you get into this category of sexual immorality, most of these things are also against the law in the United States. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says this, do not be deceived. Just because our culture says it's okay to do these things, it doesn't matter. Do not be deceived. Just because it's politically correct to go ahead and practice some of these things, just because it's, it's, it's acceptable in our society, it doesn't mean that it's okay with God. It may be okay with man. It may be okay with the laws. But if it's not okay with God, then it's still a sin and it's still wickedness and it's forbidden for you and I as people of God to participate in these things. And that's why the Bible says, don't be deceived. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So if any of us, including the priests, Preacher up here. If any of us are involved with any of this, any type of behavior or lifestyle that, that involves sinful behavior, we need to repent because this is wickedness. This is not acceptable before our God. And somebody has to have the courage to get in your face and to get in my face and tell us that these things are not right before God. Can you say amen, church? Now, getting back to Genesis chapter 40. We just read that while Joseph was in prison, he met two people there. One was the king's butler or the cupbearer, and the other was the king's baker. The Bible tells us that both of these men had dreams, and we learned that God blessed Joseph with the gift of interpreting dreams. That's a gift from God. The butler shared his dream with Joseph, and Joseph told him that in three days the butler would have his position restored to him. He would once again serve as butler or cupbearer to the king of Egypt. The baker then shared his dream with Joseph, and Joseph told him that in three days the baker would have his head cut off and the birds would feed off of his flesh. And three days later, the cupbearer was restored to his position, and the butler and the, and the baker had his head cut off and hung. But here's the key in Genesis chapter 40, verses 12 through 15, it says this. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. You see, Joseph asked the butler to please plead his case to the king of Egypt when he got out of prison. Joseph knew that this guy was going to get out of prison. He was going to be restored to his position and he would have direct access to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt, direct access. 
And so he asked this butler to explain to the king of Egypt that Joseph was innocent of any wrongdoing and didn't deserve to be in the dungeon and that he had this gift and that he was uh, anointed and that he was blessed and this and then that he was special. And, and the Bible tells us that everything that Joseph said would happen, happened. And the butler was restored to his position and the cupbearer and the baker had, had, and the head and the baker had his head cut off. Joseph must have been so excited. When this came to pass, he must have been so excited because I'm sure that he believed that the first thing, the first thing that the butler was going to do was to have a talk with the king of Egypt to plead his case. In Joseph's mind, that was going to be the first thing on the cupbearer or the, uh, or the uh, cupbearer's uh, agenda to talk to the king about this. Joseph must have thought, that real soon someone would come and release him from prison. I'm sure he was thinking to himself and making plans of going back home and being reunited to his parents and to his family. I'm sure that he was anticipating that people would finally realize that he did nothing wrong and he didn't deserve uh, to be in that prison or he didn't deserve anything that had happened to him. But sadly, the Bible tells us that when the butler got out of prison, and restored to his position as a butler or a cupbearer, the butler forgot all about Joseph. Genesis chapter 40, verse 23 says this. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, you and I may be in a very similar situation as Joseph. You may feel like you are trapped in an unfair situation and you are crying out to God and saying, God, get me out of here. I don't deserve to be in this situation. I can't stand being here. I don't deserve to be here. I have done nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, I have tried to serve you faithfully, God. I I, I didn't do anything wrong to my brothers or try to hurt them or disrespect them in any way. I didn't do anything wrong with Potiphar's wife. I didn't do anything wrong while I was here in prison. I have cooperated and I have done everything the way I believe is right before you, God. I am serving you faithfully and obediently. God, I read my Bible, I tithe, I go to church, I pray faithfully and daily, I love you and I love people, even those that have done me wrong, even those that have lied against me and burned me, I pray for those who spitefully use me and persecute me and have knifed me in the back, I do good for people and, and, and to the people, I help them to, to the best of my ability, and yet this guy, I helped him, I, I, I bailed him out of the situation, and he has forgotten all about me, even though I have helped him. Have any of you ever felt that you're just forgotten? That's what Joseph was feeling. Listen, if you are normal, if you are a normal human being living on this earth, there will be times in our life when we feel very alone. And that goes for all of us. We may feel abandoned. We may feel like no one cares. We may feel insignificant or unimportant or invisible or unappreciated or passed by or ignored. We may feel trapped or in a dark place or unable to move forward. We may feel uh, like, like people are blaming us for no reason. We may feel like a victim of circumstance that was not even our fault. Have any of you ever gotten into any trouble and it wasn't even your fault? Or you didn't mean to do it and you end up in a big old mess and you didn't even mean to do, to do anything wrong. But listen to what Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 says. In Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 it says this. The Lord was with 
Joseph. I want everyone to say that out loud. The Lord was with Joseph. I want to say it again. The Lord was with Joseph. Those of you that are listening online, even though your family thinks you're cuckoo in your living room right now, or in your kitchen, or in your bathroom, or wherever you are, I want you to repeat these words along with everybody in the church. The Lord was with Joseph. One more time. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 23, it says this. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. Everyone say that. The Lord was with him. I want you to say it again. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done in there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. Everyone say that again. The Lord was with Joseph. Everyone say it one more time. The Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now we got to let that penetrate into our spirit here this morning, church. Because Joseph was going through some really bad situations. Really unfair, really mistreated, really bad things that were going on in his life. Genesis chapter 32 verse 9, the Bible tells us that while Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house, God was with him. He was a slave. He didn't deserve to be a slave. He didn't deserve to be in that position. He, he, he didn't do anything wrong, and yet he was a slave. But the key is this, God was with him while he was a slave. Joseph felt like God had forsaken him. Joseph maybe felt that, 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 that God had left him, but the reality was that God was with him. Joseph felt like he was alone and abandoned and had no support, but the reality was that God was with Joseph. Joseph felt like he was a victim of circumstance that was not his fault for his doing, but the reality was that God was with him. Then in Genesis chapter 39, Verses 20 through 23, which we just read. When Joseph was in prison, the Bible tells us again two more times that God was with him in the prison. So God was with him when he was a slave, and God was with him in the prison. Joseph felt like maybe God had forsaken him, but the reality was that God was with him. Joseph felt like he was alone and abandoned and had no support, but the reality was that God was with Joseph. Joseph felt like he was forgotten because the butler had forgotten him, but God was with him. God did not forget Joseph for one moment. You would think that this butler would have been glad to help Joseph out. You would think that the first thing that this butler would have done when, when he was restored to his position of serving as cupbearer to the king would be to tell the king about Joseph. But the Bible tells us that the butler forgot about Joseph. It is true in life, even when we are striving to honor God, there will be times that we feel that like God has abandoned us. We may feel like God doesn't care about us. We may feel like God has forgotten us. We may feel like God has passed us by or that we are not important to God. Listen to what Psalm chapter 13 verse 1 says. It says this, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me. I believe that all of us at some point of our lives 
We see that everyone else around us is doing good. Everyone else is moving forward. Everyone else seems to be getting blessed. And here we are stuck in this messed up situation that we can't get out of. Psalm chapter 44, verse 24. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Do you think that it was hard for Joseph to be a slave in Potiphar's house? I believe that it was hard for him to be a slave, but he did it. He did it. He put up with it. Do you believe that it was hard for Joseph to be in prison, even though he wasn't, he didn't deserve to be in prison? And believe me, the prisons that we have here today, I know that we complain about them. The jails that we have today, the, 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 the penitentiaries that we have here today, man, they are like, like Motel 6 hotels compared to the dungeons that they had to deal with in those days. It is true, the butler forgot all about Joseph, but God never forgot about Joseph, even though it felt like he did. Remember, the Bible tells us that God was with Joseph when he was a slave in Potiphar's house. God was with Joseph when he was in prison. And for all of us who are Christians, for all of us who are children of God, for all of us who are born again, for all of us who are blood-washed and redeemed and sanctified, for all of us who have been clothed in a robe of righteousness. Remember, Joseph was the favorite son of his dad, and God gave him a special robe of many colors. Well, you and I, who are children of God, God has given us a special robe of many colors, a robe of righteousness. We are special and we are loved by our God. I want you to know that, church. No matter how you may feel right now, no matter what you may be going through right now, even if you feel invisible and insignificant and passed by or ignored or that nobody pays attention to you, that none of that matters. God is with you because you are his child and he loves you. We need to let that penetrate into our spirit right now. When we go through dark and difficult times and places in our lives, and we will, Whether you believe in God or don't, you're going to go through some hard times in life. I don't know how people can do it without God. I really don't. God himself makes this promise to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous. I know that you're feeling low right now. I know that you're feeling beat down right now. I know that you're feeling trapped right now. I know that you're in a dark place right now. I know that you may not be feeling well right now, but the Bible says in the midst of your low point, be strong and courageous. Look to the Lord. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua chapter 1. Verses 7 through 9, again, another popular section of Scripture. It says, be strong and very courageous. Do you know it takes courage and faith to be a Christian today? you got to stand up to all kinds of madness and nonsense and deception and lies and all kinds of chaos. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. We're talking about the Bible. This has to be the most precious thing in your life. Keep this book of the law always in your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You may not feel prosperous right now. You may not be feel successful right now. But if you do what the Bible says, even though it seems like everything's coming against you, you will be successful and you will be prosperous because God is with you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Do you believe that here this morning, church? Do you believe that God is with you? Even though things are difficult and challenging and hard and limited and all kinds of stuff is happening that you don't understand. Do you really believe that God is with you? The Bible says God is with you right now. He says, I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. For all of you listening to me right now, if you're online and you're in the hospital, there's a lot of people sick right now. And you know what? This sickness is causing a lot of fear in a lot of people. Number one, people are afraid to catch it. But once you do catch it, they're afraid of what it's going to do to you. For those, for whatever reason, those that do get the COVID, those that it does hit, for whatever reason, it hits them really hard. It really tears them up. For those of us that maybe are exposed to it, maybe we even got it, but for whatever reason, it doesn't affect us. It doesn't do anything to us. Even though we have it, that's why this is such a a difficult situation because there's probably millions of people that actually have the COVID, but because it doesn't mess mess with them or or affect them, they're immune to it somehow. They don't even know that they have it, and they don't even know that they're spreading it. But the people that they spread it to are not uh, are, are not uh, able to resist it, and they get really sick. So if you have good health right now, you need to thank God. You really do. But for those of you listening right now, maybe you're in the hospital. Maybe you're at home in bed, sick, and you're scared, and you're wondering what's going to go down. In terms of your own health. I want you to know right now in your sick bed, even though it feels like, why did this happen to me? And why am I going through this? And why am I feeling like this? And why is my family suffering like this? Listen, it doesn't matter. God is with you right now in that hospital bed, in your house right now, in your, in your sickness. God is with you right now. Don't give up. He's saying, be strong, be very courageous, put your faith in God, put your trust in God. You may not be feeling well right now, but God is with you. Those of you that have lost your jobs, it's scary losing your job. If you got three or four kids and you got a mortgage and you got a car payment and you got insurance and you got utilities and you got all this stuff and then you lose your job and you lose that security, uh, that, that comfort us, and that's a scary thing. But God says, be strong and be very courageous because I'm with you and I'm going to take you through this valley that you're in right now. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I mean, you feel like you're drowning. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Like life is just like tossing you all over the place. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze again in isaiah 41 10 so do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand these are very strong verses of scripture for you to hold on to and for you to memorize because they apply to you as a child of god this is part of your benefit package This belongs to you. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't follow God, if you're running your own program, if you're doing your own thing, this does not apply to you. You're on your own, bro. 
And you know what? You got a lot of courage to want to be on your own without God on your side. You want to try to fight this battle on your own? That's on you. I need God, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I need this word to guide me and to instruct me and to show me and to give me confidence and to give me courage and to give me strength and to give me hope. I need this word. I'm not ashamed to say it. Same book, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Same book, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That's what God says. I will not forget you. Those of you who are born of God, those of you who are born again, those of us who are here in church here this morning, and we are children of Almighty God, God says to you and to me, I will never forget you. A mother will forget her own child before I can forget you. Matthew one twenty three. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Church, do you believe that God is with us right now? Do you believe that God is with you right now? The whole thing about chapter 40 is this. Joseph felt like he was forgotten. He was depending on man. He was depending on man to rescue him. You and I, we need to be grateful for each other, but I'm not going to count on you to rescue me. And you should not count on me to rescue you because we're going to let each other down. We need to depend on God to rescue us. We need to put our hope in God. We need to stay focused on Jesus. Get your eyes off the pastor. Get your eyes off of your neighbor. Get your eyes off of your spouse. Get your eyes off of your best friends. Don't be calling all these people to gossip and, 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 and I need help and, and what should I do? No, 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 no. No one can help you. Only God can help you. That's who you have to go to. I will let you down. You're going to let me down. God will never let us down. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we close out this particular chapter, Lord God, and we get near to the end of Joseph's life, Lord God, and his example, right now we just want to focus on the fact, Lord, that you are with us. You are with us right now. No matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening, you are with us. And Lord God, first of all, if there's things going on in our life that we know are not right, if we're involved with things in our life that we know are not right, we need to repent. If things are going wrong because we're in sin, if things are falling apart because we are in rebellion, if things are all chaotic and and messed up because we are not following you and we're not obeying you, that's one thing. We need to repent and we need to get right with you and we need to get it all straightened out with you, Lord God, and ask for forgiveness. But Lord, if we're doing our best to serve you and to live for you and to obey you and to honor you and to treat people right and and to do you right, and and we know in our hearts that we're doing the best that we can, we're not perfect, but we're doing the best that we can, and still things are, are not going well, then Lord, our responsibility today is to trust you and to know that in the midst of this mess, you are still with us, Lord. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian, or if you're listening online 
and you say, I am not a Christian and I want to surrender my life to Jesus here today. I don't want to live my life on my own. I don't want to do my own thing or run my own program. It doesn't work. I just keep banging my head against the wall. And you're tired and you, you want to surrender to God. This is the time right now. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, today I recognize that I am a sinner. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, to set me free, to be my Lord and my Savior. I acknowledge that you came to this earth as a person of Jesus Christ. And you lived a perfect and pure life. And you willingly went to the cross. And you died for me. But on the third day, you rose again. I believe that. I receive you into my heart as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give glory to God for those that said this prayer here this morning, believing by faith. Believing by faith that now we're all one big family. We are children of God. And the benefits, the benefits that are in this book belong to us, church. These are more precious than gold, silver, diamonds, houses, properties, jobs, and this, what's in this book is more, more uh, important, more beautiful, more powerful, more blessed than anything of this earth. The earth cannot reproduce this. This is God's thing here. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am a Christian. I am a child of God. And as a child of God, I confess that I'm involved with things that I shouldn't get involved in and that I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing and I want to repent. As a child, of, I already, I'm already a Christian. I already know Jesus, but I want my life right with God. I want you to repeat this prayer of repentance when they say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am your child and I love you and I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of any compromise, of any rationalization, of any attempts to justify my sin. Lord, I repent. Just because the world says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. If it's wrong with you, then it's wrong for me. And I ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen.